Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome to Downtown Harbor Church. My name is Adam, and I am the volunteer coordinator here at DHC, and I am thrilled that you joined us at one of our services here as we are still operating in a digital way um, during the coronavirus pandemic. We hope to be back in our building as soon as humanly possible so that we can all be together again. But I was thrilled when John and Christina asked me to be a part of this message series that we are in called BC and and what that kind of stands for like before Christ and so what we've been doing is we've been looking at a number of people who were major players major characters in the Old Testament and I, I I love these stories because one of the things you may not know about me was that in kind of my previous life in the local church I uh, got to work with kids and teenagers for a long long time specifically kids and got to um tell so many of these stories throughout my time in terms of working with kids. So this is really like a trip down memory lane for me. So it's really exciting. Uh, John started out the message series, gosh, I think four weeks ago now, talking about a guy by the name of Joseph, um, the guy who had that coat of many colors and what he went through. If you are catching up with us, you really are going to want to do that. Maybe you missed a couple of these, but go back and listen to the two-parter on Joseph. Uh, He's one of my favorite characters in the entire Bible based on what he goes through. And John did a phenomenal job unpacking his journey through all of that. And then um, John had a second to unpack the life of Moses and some things that Moses had a, a chance to do as he helped lead the Israelites out of Egypt and began that journey into the promised land. And then last week, John had a chance to talk about a guy by the name of Joshua and even more specifically, someone by the name of Rahab and her journey. And he talked about labels and what is your label and what all that looks like. And I got to tell you, it was a really powerful message. And so if you've missed any part of this BC stuff, conversation, series, talk, whatever you want to call it, go back and catch up um, on all these messages because they are phenomenal. And, And one of the things that I love about them is that I've been even learning. Somebody's been doing this for a long period of time and figuring out those details. I, I love the details that I even pick up in the messages, and John's been doing a phenomenal job in presenting those. So today, where does that take us? Today, that takes us to talk about a guy who you may have never heard of. And I have to tell you, in all the messages and all the stories that I've ever had an opportunity to communicate, I really believe that this guy's story and the story of him in battle and what we're going to talk about today is actually one of the not only most unbelievable, but funny, just kind of like winding roads through the scripture that we're ever going to take today. And so the guy that we're going to talk about today is named Gideon. And um, I just, I I love the name. I kind of say, you know, I have a daughter, but if I had a son, I would name him Gideon. It's kind of one of those things where I kind of say to my wife that I used to say that if I had a son, I would name him Isosceles, you know, like the triangle. But I think I'm changing it to Gideon because I really just like the name, even though, you know, there's no plans for that. However, I started to ask myself a question as I knew I was going to be presenting on Gideon and I knew I'd heard his story before and I'd done a lot of research on him before, but it had been a while, right? And sometimes when you hear about a lot of these guys or gals in the Old Testament, you're like, I, I, I need to go back and, and, and figure out who they are again and kind of dive in. Who, who was Gideon and what did he do? Well, wouldn't you know, unbelievably, I found out 
that not only was Gideon this man who led the Israelites into battle in the Old Testament, and we're going to talk about that, but wouldn't you know that Gideon's family actually partnered with the good folks at Holiday Inn Express to place all those holy Bibles in all those hotel rooms throughout the United States and the world. And I would just like to publicly say thank you to the Gideon family for what you're doing, because there are many nights I've been in other cities and I lean over and open that top drawer and I'm thankful for the Gideons and what they've had the opportunity to do. That is not the Gideon that we're going to talk about today. However, we just thought that was way too funny not to be able to share share. So throughout this history with Israel and throughout the the things that have been going on from Joseph to Moses to Joshua, um, so we just want to kind of talk about this period of time that we're in today because it's post-Joshua and Israel had a number of different periods of kind of governmental leadership and it was different, right? So there was a period of time when Israel, right, the nation of Israel with many tribes, okay, they were ruled by judges, okay? So let's talk about judges for a second. So a lot of us tend to think about a judge in a certain way. We might know a judge in culture or, or think of a judge in a courtroom, but Israel was actually ruled by judges for a period of about 450 years, history tells us. And I wanna talk about these judges for a second because if you think about judges in 2020 and what they do, like it was really interesting. Like I've never gone before a judge before, thank goodness until recently. Um, but we just finalized Libby's adoption and uh, it's our daughter. We adopted Libby. She was born on January 1st. And uh, subsequently during COVID, some of the courthouse were closed, courthouses in Florida were closed. So we had to go before a judge virtually. And it was very interesting because it was almost this intimidating thing. I had never done this before, but we had to do it to finalize her adoption. My favorite judge of all time in culture, and maybe you can relate to this. I don't think there, and, and by the way, this is very serious what I'm about to say. This is not a joke. This is someone that I really admire and I love the way this person sets people in their place, if you know what I mean. Because if you have not watched this individual throughout your life, you have missed out. Because one of my favorites of all time is Judge Judy Scheinlin herself. I believe she actually resides over there in the Naples Fort Myers area. I'd like to get over there and meet her someday. But here's what I want you to know. I don't know if you're a fan of Judge Judy, but I'm a huge fan of Judge Judy, and I'm very serious. Here's what I want you to know, is that the judges that we're talking about with ancient Israel are not necessarily the kind of judges that we're talking about today, and Gideon was one of these judges, right? Judges actually describe individuals, don't miss this, this is so key, judges describe individuals each from a different tribe in Israel, right? So there were many tribes amongst the nation of Israel. Judges describe individuals, each from a different tribe, chosen by God, right? Chosen by God to rescue the people from their enemies and establish justice, okay? So it was a little bit different than what you might think of today. I, I kind of want to think of these judges of, of almost like this local leaders, right? That's it, Maybe it's a local leader of the time, but they are there to help rescue the Israelites, to protect the Israelites who are in their tribe from their enemies and actually help achieve justice. So kind of like something that we may see today, but in so many ways, very different. And so... Gideon, who we're talking about today, was one of these judges, one of these local leaders of his tribe in Israel. And I just love 
the story of Gideon so much. And as I've revisited it in the last couple of weeks, as I've written this message, it is so good and so true and so powerful. And as I mentioned at the beginning, so unbelievable. And so just really zone in with me in the next few minutes as we talk about this man, Gideon, who again, many of us may have never even heard of, and his journey into um, leading the Israelites into battle and what he goes through. Because Gideon, the most interesting thing about him, I think, is that Gideon was a weak man from a weak tribe. How do I know that? Well, let me just open up the scripture and let us talk with you about what we find out about Gideon when we first meet him. So if you're going to tune in with us today and follow along um, with the scripture, by the way, you can follow along with it on the screen. What is this, by the way? Why is this here? Can someone in the back? They put this here and said, I have to keep this prop here and it can't move throughout the entire message. And I'm not really sure why, but we're just going to go ahead and keep it. But anyway, if you have a Bible, you can open along with us in the book of Judges chapter 6. It's in the Old Testament, or it will be right here on your screen as where all the slides have already been. But I just realized they were there because I'm looking there and not there. You know what I'm saying? Anyway, in the book of Judges, we talked about the Judges chapter 6, verse 11. It says this. Then the angel of the Lord came and sat beneath the great tree at Oprah, not to be concerned, not to be confused with Oprah Winfrey, okay, with Oprah, we think it's like Oprah, right, which belonged to Joash um, of the clan Abizer. We think that's right, Abizer. We're not experts at pronouncing all these names. John, the lead pastor, and I were actually going through this before, and we're like, they get the picture, okay? <laughs> There's a lot of these names in here. But an angel of the Lord came and sat beneath this great tree um, of Ophrah, which belonged to Joash of this particular clan. Joash was actually Gideon's father. And so Gideon, son of Joash, was threshing wheat, don't miss this, was threshing wheat at the bottom of a wine press to hide the grain from the Midianites. Basically, when we meet Gideon, there's this group of people who the Israelites are kind of enemies with, the Midianites. So stay with me because there's a lot of names and a lot of things here. You have the Midianites, kind of like the big bad enemies. I'm going to talk about them. And you have the Israelites and this certain tribe led by Gideon. But when we meet Gideon, he's actually hiding grain from the Midianites. He's hiding from his enemies. But the scripture continues as this angel appears to Gideon. And the angel of the Lord says to him this, the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, him, and said, mighty hero, the Lord is with you. Hold on. I thought, Adam, I thought you said that Gideon was a weak man from a weak tribe. Well, it goes on. Sir, Gideon replied, I almost envision his voice quivering. Sir, if the Lord is with us, then why has all of this happened to us? And where are all the miracles our ancestors told us about? Didn't they say the Lord brought us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and handed us, handed us over to the Midianites. So basically, I brought a couple of pictures of how I think best describes the situation of what we're dealing with here related to Gideon, the leader of this tribe of Israelites, this judge, the leader of this tribe, and the Midianites. So this is kind of what I envision Gideon to maybe look like. I mean, he's all right. He could probably lead the tribe into battle. But whenever we talk about the Midianites and whenever we talk about this group of people who the Israelites are enemies with, they are described as kind of mighty warriors and what that looks like. And so I kind of feel like the Midianites may even look similar 
to this. By the way, this image is from the movie Tangled. And um, if you've ever seen these kind of Viking guys in the movie, they are epically funny. But it kind of just reminds me of this weak kind of leader Gideon. And he's supposed to lead his group of weak Israelites into battle against these strong Midianites? What, 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 are, what are you, crazy? This can't be. But Judges chapter 6 picks up with verse 14, and here's what it said. Then the Lord turned to him and said, Hey, Gideon, go with the strength you have. Go with the strength you have and rescue Israel from the Midianites. I am sending you. I love the Old Testament, and I love the fact that all of these consistent misfits are chosen, who don't think they have the ability and who might be weak. And God always plucks them out of right where they're comfortable or right where they're at. And he says, no, I'm sending you to go do this. Picks up in Judges 6.15. But Lord, Gideon replied, how can I rescue Israel? How can I do this? I can't do this. You got the wrong guy, not me. My clan is the weakest in the whole tribe of Manasseh. And I am the least in my entire family. Gideon confirming that he is very weak. And Gideon then again replied, if you are truly going to help me, God, I don't know why you want to pick me to do this. I don't understand. Show me a sign to prove that it is really the Lord speaking to me. So in this moment, Gideon wanted a sign. He said, okay, here's the deal. God, if you are picking me to do this, you are choosing me to take these weaklings into battle against, you know, the Midianites, then I'm going to really need a sign that this is what you want me to do. And, you know, it's interesting. I started to think about this. How many times in our life have we been Gideon? where we were asked to do something by God and we knew that it was the right thing. Maybe we had gotten confirmation over and over again. We knew it was the appropriate thing to do. And we said to God, okay, God, I'll do it. But you give me a sign. How many times have you wanted a sign? How many times have I wanted a sign? God, if this is supposed to be, if I'm supposed to marry this girl, if I'm supposed to take that job, if we're supposed to start this church, if I'm supposed to start this organization, if I'm supposed to reach out to that person, give me a sign. I need a sign, right? How many times have we been there? And all of a sudden, and we almost play with our mind at that point, don't we? Well, was that the sign? I mean, I don't know if that was the sign. I mean, lightning struck my house and it burned down. It may not be though. It may have just been that I needed to move into an, whatever that is for you. A lot of us have been like Gideon. Judges chapter six picks up a little bit later in the chapter as Gideon um, is looking for that sign. So Gideon is kind of negotiating with God. It picks up in verse 36. Gideon said to God, if you will save Israel by my hand, as you have promised, look, I love what he says, look, look. God, I will place a wool fleece on the threshing floor. Now, here's the deal. This is gambling with God, right? This is what it is. I'm going back and forth with him. If there is dew only on the fleece and all the ground is dry, then I will know that you will save Israel by my hand, as you said. Let me see if I understand this. So you're telling God, 
that I'm going to put a piece of fleece on the ground. And when I wake up, if it's dewy, but there's no water on the ground and the ground's not moist, then we're good, right? Right. Okay. I told you this was a little bit of a crazy story. So sure enough, Judges 638, and that is what happened. Gideon rose early the next day. He squeezed the fleece and wrung out the dew, a bowl full of water. But exactly what he was looking for, that sign was delivered. But the scripture goes on. It said, then Gideon said to God, God, don't be angry with me. Don't you love that? God, don't be angry with me, but I got something else. I got one more thing. Get ready. I got one more thing to negotiate with you. Let me make one more request. Allow me one more test with the fleece. I know you already proved yourself. I know I got the sign, but I need more confirmation. Sound familiar? Sound familiar in your life? But this time, God, Make the fleece dry and let the ground be covered with dew. So let's do the opposite. You can do one. Why can't you do the other? Come on, God. I thought you were God. Sure enough. Judges chapter 6, verse 40. It says that night God did so. Only the fleece was dry. All the ground was covered with dew. Gideon got his sign and sure enough was set to go lead his tribe of Israelites into battle against the big, bad, mighty Midianites. We're about to get to that battle, but even to this point, I started to ask myself a couple of questions about Gideon and what we can learn from him and his story as he follows after God and even negotiates with him and tries to do all these things. Here's just a couple of things that I just think that we can gain from his story even right now today before we even get into the battle. I just believe this. God, for whatever reason, chose him to be a leader. I just feel like leaders don't always have to be the boldest and most extroverted, right? Leaders don't always have to be the boldest and most extroverted. So often we look at leaders and people who would lead people into battle or people who would lead cultures or society or make decisions and they're these big, loud voices. Um, they always don't have to be. God can use whoever he wants to do whatever he wants. And maybe he needs to use you or he wants to use you for something right where you're at. And you're like, it can't be me. I'm weak. I'm not the biggest and boldest and most extroverted. The other thing I've learned in this is I just believe that sometimes a little, fo little faith can go a long way. So often that little, little sprinkle of faith going, God, can you make this fleece dewy? Can we do the opposite? I just believe the little faith can sometimes go a long way. As we search for sometimes those signs that God is leading us. And I don't know what that looks like in your own journey because I've heard so many stories about signs throughout my life and about how God has led people in a certain way, in a certain direction. I just believe this. I believe that that little faith of looking for God in unlikely places can really go a long way. So Gideon at this moment, he got his sign. Sure enough, give me a sign. I got it. Gideon and his men were going to take on the Midianites. Gideon and these weak Israelis, these, this weak tribe of Israelites, were going to take on the big, bad, mighty Midianites. Midianites. And you can imagine, probably at this moment, the, the fear was starting to swell up in their hearts. They probably had doubts, right? 
And so sure enough, right before they get to battle in Judges chapter 7, verses 2 and 3, it picks up again where God and Gideon are interacting once again. And it says here that the Lord said to Gideon, Gideon, hey, you have too many men. I cannot deliver Midian into their hands or Israel would boast against me. My own strength has saved me. So now announce to the army. Hey, guys, come on in. Come on. Hey, come on, everybody. Hey, John, Christina, come on. Come on in. Okay, we got we to have a conversation. Anyone who trembles with fear may turn back and leave Mount Gilead. So 22,000 men left while 10,000 remained. Hold on a second. You're talking, you're telling me he went with 32,000 men and he, basically God said anybody who's scared can turn around and go home and 22,000 of them walked away and Gideon and the, the rest of these people are going to go in and fight the big bad Midianites. Is that what you're telling me? That's what I'm telling you. 10,000 men remained to go fight this massive, intimidating army. But there was a problem. Because as we like to say around here at Downtown Harbor Church, there's always a problem. Is God thought there was still too many men. God thought there was way too many men. He's like, there's, there's too many of you guys. Come on. So Gideon took, it says in Judges chapter 7, verse 5, it says, so Gideon took the men down to the water. And there the Lord told him, this is where it gets a little wild, guys. So just stay, just stay with me. Separate those who lap the water with their tongues as a dog laps from those who kneel down to drink. Hold on a second. Are you telling me that I'm supposed to separate these people based on who would put water in their hands versus who would, you know, schlep water like a dog? And sure enough, yeah, that's what God wants him to do. 300 of them drank from cupped hands, lapping like dogs, and all the rest got down on their knees to drink. And in Judges chapter 7, verses 7 and 8, it said, The Lord said to Gideon, With the 300 men that lapped, I will save you and give the Midianites into your hands. Let all the others go home. Let all the others go home? We're going to have nothing left. But Gideon had already gotten his sign. He was ready to lead this army into battle. So Gideon sent the rest of the Israelites home, but kept 300 who took over the provisions and trumpets of the other, of the others. Now, there's a little bit of a um, lull heel here, and there's something that happens because Gideon is now trying to figure out, okay, how do we who are left take on this big bad army? And Gideon in this moment, you can read through the scripture if you have some more time uh, to do it, but Gideon in this moment interprets a dream. And the dream actually leads Gideon to come up with a plan. And the plan is actually a wild plan. But for whatever reason, he believes that God gave him this dream to interpret. And the plan is to surround the camp with trumpets and broken jars and break the jars, and then have the men shout simultaneously a sword for the Lord and for Gideon. Well, what in the world is this going to do? So, I mean, we, we want to talk about last week in the story John told about Joshua and the walls of Jericho. Well, this is similar, but not the same. Yet, 
this is their master plan to take down the big bad Midianite army? So sure enough, Gideon gathered the men and told them the plan. And one of the things that they did was when it was time, and I'll get to the scripture in a second, but when it was time, they surrounded the Midianites and they blared their trumpets. Do you not love the sound effects that we're putting in here today? This is great. They blared those trumpets and they also broke jars. And they yelled out simultaneously, a sword for the Lord and for Gideon. Doesn't that, isn't that, isn't that great? Shouldn't that be like a bumper sticker on a car or like a yard sign for somebody in politics, right? I just feel like this is a great saying, a sword for the Lord and for Gideon. Let's look at what the scripture actually says specifically about these moments. In Judges chapter seven, verse 19, it says, Gideon and the hundred men with him reached the edge of the camp at the beginning of middle watch, just after they changed the guard. They blew their trumpets and broke the jars that were in their hands. The three companies blew the trumpets and smashed the jars, grasping the torches in their left hands and holding in their right hands the trumpets they were to blow, and they shouted, don't miss this, we've already talked about it, a sword for the Lord and for Gideon. So what? Who cares? The Midianites are going to destroy these guys. What are they doing out there? These morons. Right? Gideon interpreted that dream. And in Judges 7, 22, when the 300 trumpets sounded, the Lord caused the men throughout the camp, the Midianites, to turn on each other with their swords. And so the Midianites fled and killed each other. It worked. This crazy story of a weak Israelite judge leading a tribe into battle, first 22, I'm sorry, first 32,000 people, down to 10,000 people, down to 300 men. And God told him that he was to go and gave him those signs. And then he interpreted a dream for his army to blow trumpets and break jars and to shout a sword for the Lord and for Gideon. And the Midianites were so bamboozled and so baffled and so confused by what was going on that they fled and actually killed each other in the process and turned their swords on each other. I told you I loved the story of Gideon. Now there's more to Gideon's life, but we're just gonna kind of stop there and talk about this particular um, set of circumstances. I love the story of Gideon for a number of reasons. And I wanna talk about a couple of them before I get into the practical here today. I love that God chose a weak person from a weak tribe to conquer something massively strong, the Midianite army. I love that there's a back and forth in this story of a man who wants a sign from God before he can move forward. And I love the fact that that is in there in the scripture because how many of us have done the exact same thing? And I also love 
that as Gideon led those men into battle, that it was uncharacteristic of a, of a normal fight, that so many left because they were scared, and then they didn't lap in the water like dogs, and then they used trumpets and broken jars and a saying to take down a massive, big, huge army. That's what I love so much about this story, and that's what I love so much about the unorthodox style of some of these things in the Old Testament. And so then I sit back and I go, all right, Gideon, the story of this weak Israelite judge, what can we learn from him? So we go back to the question that we ask every week here at Downtown Harbor Church. What's the practical? Don't you, I just love that the piano music comes on, right? That's just a big deal for me. We were like, let's just get that here. And I love that it's in the background. I say it every time I speak and it's probably getting old, but that's okay. I like that. So what's the practical? Well, at DHC, we really feel like it's important um, to put this word on the screen every week and just ask a question, right? How can you put into practice what you hear on Sunday, right when you leave, or we just say on Monday? So here's just a couple of things that I want to go over as it relates to Gideon and the practical for this story. Number one. I just think we need to recognize that strength, physical strength, isn't always equal to faith. I think that um, so oftentimes there are those of us who feel like we've been asked to do something by God, but we can't because we're not strong enough, we're not big enough, maybe we're not emotionally equipped enough, I don't know. But we, equi- we, we attribute that, you know, alongside of strength. I just believe that the story of Gideon is right in front of our face to let us know that, hey, strength isn't always equal to faith. So let's say you're somebody like Gideon and you feel like God wants you to do something. I bet that you have been in a position in your life at some level where God wants you to do something and you've asked him, God, I know that you want me to do this. I know that I want to do this. This is a desire in my heart. I feel like you're leading me here. I feel like I could make a decision here. Give me a sign. Guide me. Lead me. How many times are you going to ask God for a sign? Let me take this a step further. If you're called to do something and you're called to go after something and you're called to look at something in a different way and you're called to maybe lead a group of people or make a change in culture or society and, and, and put your arms around this and embrace it and do something that breaks your heart, how many times are you going to ask God for a sign? Furthermore, how long are you going to wait? How long are you going to wait? One of the things that as we were prepping this message this past week there was a conversation that happened between John and I. And when we were getting ready five years ago, my gosh, longer than that now, this was probably a conversation about six years ago. So we were getting ready to launch downtown Harbor Church and we were kind of making those final preparations and we were ready to start out on a different journey and a different path. I'll never forget somebody who was involved in the church early on um, kind of pulled us aside and said, guys, I gotta have a conversation. I wonder and I question if 
you guys, and it, it was completely out of a good place. This was not a bad question to ask. We just wanted to make sure to cross our T's and dot our I's, shall we say. But this person said to us, guys, I just want to make sure that we're doing everything that we need to do. And I, I just want to make sure before we start this church that we've prayed about it enough and that we have our answer. And I don't know that we've done that. And we might need to even pray about it a little more. I'll never forget the conversation because I sat back in my chair and I said, I looked at John, I looked back and I said, I am thankful for that because we need to be praying all the time. But I've been praying about this and I got my answer and it's time to move. And that was one of the reasons that DHC was born. When we felt like much in that moment that we were waiting for a sign like Gideon was and we put our feet to the pavement and moved forward. Because sometimes you have your answer and you just have to move. Sometimes you already know. Sometimes you've known for way too long. Sometimes you, you should have moved on this months ago, years ago. And God has already given you the clearest path and the clearest direction. And he needs you to just finally take that first step. Much like Gideon did. And you know, so often these things that we're talking about are hard. They're difficult. They're not easy. Um, because change is hard. Acting on things is hard. A lot of us have, you know, um, issues related to ourself. We're like, can I do this? We have self-confidence issues. But here's just what I want you to know. Is that you can debate with God. You can ask him to pick somebody else. Much like a lot of these people we've talked about have done. But he's going to get his way. The real question is, is he going to use you? Much like he did Gideon. A man who was way too weak. A man who led a very weak tribe. But God, through unorthodox methods and unorthodox style and a little bit of faith, got a job done like we've never seen before. So what's he going to do in your life? What do you need to act on that you should have acted on maybe a long time ago? And you've been waiting for those signs the truth is you've already gotten the signs and it's time to step out in faith. So what I'm going to do right now is I'm going to begin to close the message and I'm going to pray and I'm going to pray specifically that those who are watching along or those who were, would be, um, you know, just seeing this today, if this is you and we're talking straight to you and I don't know who we're talking to out there because I'm talking to a camera, but I know that in some way, shape or form, it's not me even talking. It's God just speaking directly to somebody's heart. We're just going to pray for those things in your life. We're going to pray for those decisions and those journeys that he would be with you and surround you as we wrap the story of Gideon. So let's pray. Father, we are so thankful for these stories that we've heard. Joshua, Moses, Joseph, and now today Gideon. And God, that you would pick a weak man from a weak tribe out to go do something extraordinary and to conquer a group of people who he should not have conquered. But God, if we look deeper into his heart, and we look at the things that he was wrestling with, the truth is, is that a lot of us are like Gideon. A lot of us are wrestling through things that we know we've received an answer from you on, but we haven't acted, or maybe we're scared to act. And God, I just pray for every single person watching this who would be joining us today in their own heart, that they would stop. They would pray, Lord, convict me, help me to make these proper decisions. 
guide my life, continue to help me if we feel like you've led us here. And God, we want to do this because we know that you've led us along this path. And God, be with us as we move on those things, whatever they are. Some of us have already moved on things in our life like this. Help us to continue to fight in these journeys. Some of us know we need to move. God, help us to move right where we're at. We love those signs you give us, whatever those look like. And we're so, so thankful that just like you did in the life of Gideon, that you'll be so careful to deliver us, even though the methods might be unorthodox. And God will be so quick to give you all the glory. We pray this today, all in Jesus' name. Amen.